And yep, seems good. Excellent. So, hmm. hello and welcome to the Affinity Podcast. My name is Alex, and today I'm joined by a fantastic artist who has been gathering a lot of support for their unique style of creating proxies using the covering style and art in many movies, posters, books, and album art. Chris, or Sir Proxy as is known on the internet, has curated a healthy following on Twitter and has had his art featured by some very prominent members of the MTG community. Today we're going to be talking all things proxy, a field I know very little about, so I'm rather happy to have someone here who's a lot more well-versed in the subject. Hi Chris. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for coming on. So, first things first, to get to the very base crux of the matter, how would you personally define what is a proxy card? Great question. I think I need to define a couple other things in the process to make it happen. Sure. Um, so, uh, so according to Wizards, they 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 use the word playtest card, hmm. which is um, uh, if so. I have multiple decks, and I want to test if a card is going to be good in that before I spend the money on it. I can put in a a, a playtest card for that moment, or I have multiple decks, and I don't want to spend money on the same card multiple times, I'll make a playtest card to, to fit it in there. And in the MTG community, we use the word playtest card and proxy pretty interchangeably. So right. you'll see me flip on those as if they're the same the same word. Sure. Um, the other word that's out there is counterfeit. And I think from a legal perspective, it's really hard to define the difference between a proxy and a counterfeit. Um, but for me, it's all about the intent of the maker. Yeah. So a a counterfeit is it's intended to be to fool the user into thinking it's a real card. Okay. So um, so if something's a proxy, it's something that will have say like this is a proxy on it somewhere, rather than a counterfeit is this looks as close to the real thing as possible. It could literally have the word "this is a proxy" on it. Um, and following the wizards, um, uh, I'm oh, uh, blanking on the name of it, but they got they have they have leaked legal language out there on what you're supposed to put on cards <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but for me, a proxy is just, um, I, I'm going to put some flair into it. Okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to make you know that this is not a real magic card, but yeah. it, it takes the game piece place of it. And off we go. We just keep playing, but I might as well have some fun with it while, while with that art. Yeah. You do make them very extravagant, very obvious that these are not wizards legitimate cards but they are art pieces in their own right to be there for the card they're meant to be there for yep it's a form of bling it is a very nice form of bling as well so just coming on to that with the very nice form of bling just a little about you why did you personally start making those proxy cards like what drew you to the idea of i want to make this form of art uh, well, I'm a graphic designer and exhibit designer, so I, I have the talent to to do those types of things. And it's fun for me to have an avenue to, you know, have myself as the client. Um, <laughs> I first started, started making proxies not of my own design, just um, I brew decks so frequently hmm. that I needed more cards than I owned and I didn't want to spend an arm and a leg. So I would, I would print out regular... Um, uh, MTG cards just on my own card stock and I worked on that process to make it feel like like a real card and that was fun um, but then eventually I started like um, making tokens and 
like silly tokens and, and playing with uh, playing with style there. And then eventually, after I did a bunch of those, it was, you know what? I can make real cards too. Um, and then I leaned in heavy onto my influences from mid-century modern design um, and just had fun. It was a way of unpacking artists that I enjoyed from the 50s and 60s, see what, what made the art tick, and then it's a learning moment as a graphic designer for me. That's lovely to hear. The fact that you actually enjoy making them as a passion of yours, rather than someone just sat there saying, "Oh, well, I'm churning this out for money reasons." It's like, no, it's passion. It's art. If you don't enjoy the art, there's no point to it. That's very nice to hear. Exactly. And I, I resisted for a long time putting together a Patreon. Um, I mean, it costs money to, to print the materials, I guess. Yeah. But um, I needed to recoup some of that. But yeah. the um, I, I did not want this to become a full time job, or mm. to have a burden of every month I got to put something out. Um, it, it needs to be a passion project. Yeah, I, for, I forget who said it. it was I uh, art on demand is not art. <laughs> it's a good phrase. <laughs> so one of the things you did allude to of saying you're making so many of these decks, is that one of the things that you might say is the primary reason why people use proxies because they don't have those cards or because I said they are my cost an arm and a leg. Do you think that's the primary reason people would use a proxy? Um, primary, I mean, I think money is a factor. I mean, magic is a, is a spendy, uh, thing. I mean, I still spend plenty of money at my LGS, even though I make proxies. So like, you gotta keep your, your pocketbook in check. Um, but I think the other half is just, um, personal identity in, in making your decks, just like you're building your casual, um, Lorthos heavy deck. Um, you might as well bling it out in a way that fits that. Maybe you do... Maybe you hire an altruist to paint on top of a real card to mash up to your favorite comic book characters. <laughs> that were really good. <laughs> Trying to think of a few of ours, actually. So, nice. So we have that for the proxies of primarily using for that. And you always touch on the fact that there's a difference between something being a fake card that's designed to fool people and a proxy that's designed to be obviously used for something like playtesting or the fact that we don't own 20 Smothering Tithes, but have 20 white decks that all need Smothering Tithe. Exactly. So why do you think then, because that sounds very obvious and lovely, why do you think then there's such massive tension when someone discusses using proxies? Sure. Um, so I don't often get around circles that, that are anti-proxy. Um, so I don't have a ton of experience. Um, I will say that in a in a official tournament it makes sense to not have problems. yes but, um so I'm, I'm more the kitchen table type of player um the i see proxies taking the heat for deck building in general so any play group needs to have some sort of confinements otherwise it becomes an arms race mm. and whoever has the most money would win so how do you put in those constraints some groups um uh, put in a dollar value in the cards. Some groups say only cards that I own. Like there's different ways of, of putting boxes around your group. And so one of the fine ways of doing that is saying no proxies. And I got no problem playing no proxies if that's how people want to play. I don't want to define how you play. Um, I want to define how I play. Um, so then it gets a little gatekeepy pretty quickly of you can't come and play with me unless you have real cards and I don't know you very well, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. 
especially when you might have to have that the common rule zero conversation especially in commander where it's a case of what decks is everyone playing do you have any proxies in your deck and then if some people start to get funny then it becomes a bit of a bad feeling going to that lgs was if you're at a kitchen table you have that conversation before and it gets a lot nicer and a lot easier which i think Absolutely. gets into that idea of people in a very weird way not wanting to have those conversations of oh i don't have these cards i won't proxy them anyway therefore my deck won't be as what i want it to be it won't be as flavorful or won't be as powerful as i want to be it won't be as thematic which then might lead to again the same ill will yep it, it, exactly there's a, there's a cycle there i will throw out that in my experience in proxy friendly tables sometimes will will turn up the power really high and it's great then everybody's at the table doing that um other times it'll be like hey i i could put in this really high-end card but it I don't need to. Like, mm. it's not getting where I want to in the deck. I have access to everything because I can proxy. I can choose not to use those cards and be completely happy doing that. That is actually a lovely way of stating it. It reminds me of the Assassin's Creed, things like everything is permitted and therefore it's fine to do whatever. And then it's the restraint you put on yourself, I suppose. Like if you're building a tribal deck, saying I'm only going to have creatures of this tribe in it, Yes, I can go get, you know, Academy Recruiter because she is a human and goes in my human tribal deck. Or I could just not because I don't need Planeswalkers and therefore it's fine. But do you think then that it might be... You mentioned gatekeeping. Does that maybe you think lead to... Would you say it's more or less gatekeepery if there's more or less proxies? Because the more proxies you have, the obviously, I just say, the higher the power levels but no proxy at all, then that stipulates a different type of gatekeeping. I was wondering what are your thoughts on the relationship between proxying and gatekeeping in Magic? Um, well, actually, I back up a little bit there. I, I'm not sure that higher proxy levels mean higher level of deck. All right. I think um, I proxy basic land sometimes. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, I have a fun design on something and it's a $3 card or a 30 cent card. Like, great, I'll proxy it up. I'll have fun. Um, but back to the, to the question at hand of, mm. of, of, you know, can... I, yeah, I don't think there's a spectrum of you have 50 proxies or you have four proxies. Like, it's still a proxy deck. Mm. So it, it, it's more, I don't know, almost binary of no proxy versus some proxy. I haven't really seen people in the middle where they're like, I'll only proxy four things. It's really like, yes or no. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I don't know if I... <laughs> I'm not answering that question very well. It's yeah. fine. It's just the idea that I was thinking of the fact that, like, if someone comes into a game shop that they've never been to, and they have... I'd say we've got two people. One has a deck that is no proxies. One has a deck that does contain proxies. One of those people, most of the time I would think in this imaginary world, would be able to sit down and play a game 100% of the time. One of those people would not be able to sit down and play a game 100% of the time. And that always... Um, Go on. I think that's possible. I think it's um, somewhat impractical. I, I have yet to walk up to a table that people are not um, proxy-friendly. Now, I, I haven't played in every game store across the country, but um, the, it, more often than not, um, I find people are are pro 
pro proxy or they're like yeah okay well you know we'll try a game with it and then after that we'll shuffle out to another deck like cool and um, that has actually been our experience as well like we've played games up and down england which don't get me wrong is nowhere near as big as america but we've also never found that we've never we've had a few people sit down and say oh i'm proxying stuff and even they've said like you've said oh i'm proxying some basic lands and we immediately look at each other and go okay raised eyebrow <laughs> but yeah. they they were playing um uh, tetsuko umizawa and all their lands were like this beautiful ornate um like Japanese style from like the Edo period with like proper realistic Mount Fuji in the background. All like those are sick, and it was yeah. it's fabulous. But and uh, your gameplay was unchanged. Ex exactly, and it was yeah. lovely. But I say, it's it just seems like this massive disconnect between when people say there's this big online discussion or controversy around proxies. Meanwhile, in reality. Me and you are in two different countries. We've been to many different game stores, but have never ran into this problem. And I was just wondering, do you think it? Do you think it generally just exists on the internet in a very unreal space, but in practice, no one really cares. Well, we all have our bubble of who we play play with. I mean, my my Twitter handle has proxy in the name. So in some <laughs> ways, it's self correcting of of who wants to be communicating. That's a very with. good point. Yeah. So I, I can't fully answer that one. I mean, I think there are plenty of places that are very anti-proxy. Um, and and I, I got no problem with that. You know, you do your thing. That's fine. I, maybe you and I won't play um, a game. Okay, there's plenty of other places I can go play. Hmm. So with regards to proxies themselves, what yep. would you say that you personally proxy the most? Like, do you proxy lands more often than not or artifacts or one-off cards that are really expensive um you know if i were to really look at the data it's probably more of the expensive cards hmm. and that's because i brew so frequently um <laughs> you know i brew a new deck and say 10 or 12 cards or proxies they're the ones that i'm not willing to just jump on the internet or go to my lgs and buy you know straight out of pocket hmm. um so I'm leaning that way if you were to look at my statistics. <laughs> and with regards to that, so using a lot more cards that are more high value, do you think then that maybe could be put as sort of a sign of like, okay, these cards are expensive to the point that people are now proxying them so they can be useful in decks and be used and shuffled around. Do you think ever that might, if used enough, might actually sort of give a real world inclination of okay maybe these cards are should then be not banned but maybe reprinted or they might get more focus if more people are more opening to proxying then it might have a real effect on those cards themselves like if everyone proxied Kratos and everyone was chill with it might you think that might have an effect on Kratos as a card price reprint or anything like that uh potentially um, i mean i I'm I'm pro reprint things into the ground. <laughs> I don't think Crater Hub needs to be a fifty or sixty dollar card. Like it should be a four dollar card and be happy. Um, <laughs> It'd be lucky it's four dollars. Um, I'll also say that I for a long time I had Crater Hub in my um, uh, Hapatra deck and it was a fantastic finisher. Yeah. But then then there was uh, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's um, 
It's the card that turns all your death touch creatures to, to give poison counters and stuff. Oh, the um, new legend, not new legend, but it's from um, the Viking set, isn't it? From the Viking set, exactly. So I, I replaced the card, and it, and it achieves the exact same goal. You don't see it coming, and all of a sudden I win. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a complicated ecosystem, the secondary market. I mean, you got the reserve list thing, and you got um, the... the the collectability and and how good a card is in a game is going to affect the the price on the secondary market so it gets really complicated quickly but personally i like that proxies are one of the things in that ecosystem and in some ways it puts a stopgap on um like i have a pre-modern deck right now that i want to put a gilded drake in but i'm not willing to put 250 dollars down on a piece of cardboard no. right now. so right now i'm playing it proxied and it's fine. I'm not in any tournaments. There's no, there's no problem with that. Yeah. And we, we've just started having conversations with our LGS that's just opened, saying that would they be open to having proxy-friendly um, tournaments, like tournaments for CDH players and stuff like that, because we do have a community of people that want to play CDH, but, you know, early 20s people and don't have, you know, the grand of money ready to drop for one deck or a few cards in terms of cdh and as you say exactly. it, it can lead to that a lot more fun and inclusive environment there's always that old adage saying that um i want to play against you not your wallet yes and i fully support that statement um also throughout so i have one cdh deck i don't play too often but my experience with with cdh uh, players is they don't care about proxying at all. Just like they don't care about power level. Turn it up. Let's play. Let's have fun. Yes. I th there's one person I know who does have the very fortunate case where he does have the resources to be able to go out and he's got a fully unproxied top level CDH deck. And the biggest oh. thing he's often said to us is the fact that he can't find anyone to play with. He spent all this money on this lovely deck that's fantastic. And he doesn't care if you're a proxy. He just wants someone to have a game with. Yeah. Well, and that's the nice thing where the internet fills in. There's look, there's plenty of EDH players that are just playing over a spell table, and it's great. Yeah, and um, that... Okay. I'll also throw out that there's other formats. like So I've been getting into pre-modern, and there are, um, there's groups within pre-modern that allow um, proxying for tournaments. Mm. Um, wow. They don't have to, but sometimes they do. Or, or old school. Yeah, I mean the prices in old gold cards are just astronomical right now, and so the yeah you know, I I signed up for an old school proxy friendly um, tournament, and I've been playing since revised, but this was the first time I was able to cast Power Nine, and it was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> did it did it feel like holding three thousand dollars when you played it? Like this uh, card's well, this card's worth that three thousand dollars. Well, I proxied them, so I knew the process of, of the printing. So I didn't quite have that system to it, but it was more just the less about the cardboard and more about the spell. It was, yeah. This is an unattainable spell to me in the past. Yes. Which is the good thing about proxies, the fact that you do get to play those cards that you never thought you would be able to play. Absolutely. Well, and I, I can tell you, I'm never going to own a Black Lotus. It's just no. in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Very few people. I think more people will be to the moon in our lifetime than will own a Black Lotus. I think that's a safe bet to make. I would, I would be right on you with that bet, yep. Oh. 
but yes so even with all that the more things we have like the value of cards the accessibility of cards all these things that proxies solve and they just generally seem like good things is there anything that you can think of because i really struggle beyond reading um screeching through twitter is there any reason that some people might have said to you personally or that you've seen of why people don't like proxies well it's getting back to that bubble of i i'm surrounded by people that are pro proxy and other proxy artists we all support each other like there's no competition if, if somebody has something that's sizzling we'll retweet it um but i have noticed um so i'm not on reddit I, I put a couple out early on, and, and it got more traction on Twitter, so I just focused on Twitter. Hmm. And then I watched a bunch of my proxy friends just get banned one after the other on, on Reddit. Um, and so there's some apprehension there on my side. It's like, so I, I've recently seen that they've had a change in some um, um, people who are doing the mods, and they're trying to allow some proxy discussions again. Hmm. And, and some of my colleagues are posting things and they're getting good feedback. They're getting more reach than they ever had in the past. Like for me, the largest reach I ever had was Cyclonic Rift got uh, retweeted by Surge from Loading Ready Run. Wow. Was, boom. Like that was a good moment. Yeah. But potentially in Reddit, it's a larger user base. I, you know, I could get that with everyone that I post out. Like it's just a whole different atmosphere. But I'm hesitant to post there because um because of the hate that others have gotten in the past so it's i don't know if i can answer why they don't like it because i just i avoid it yeah i'm scared which, of it <laughs> it's probably the best way forward to be honest <laughs> can't see the haters but yeah. but i would if you were to find a uh, another person to interview who is anti-proxy uh i would i would listen like crazy for that podcast and and just i want to learn yeah because like to me, I like the reason I'm doing this podcast. I've got a few other proxy people that I want to talk to because I started doing a video all about talking about proxies, what they are, why people have them, why people don't like them. And halfway through writing it and scripting, I realized, oh my god, I don't actually know the thing. It's one of those things of, oh well, I know about this discussion because I'm on Twitter. And it's like, no, I don't actually know anything about it because there's actually a lot of nuance with stuff like. The difference between playtests, proxies, counterfeits, why people are proxies, the different intricacies to do it. Like, I know a few of my personal friends who will say that if everyone gets to proxy, then next week it's CDH on. And you've had a very good point of no, it isn't. People will literally proxy up lands to flavor their deck better. Yeah. It, it, deck building has more of a factor on power level than proxy. Mm, that's very true. And that's just been so eye-opening for me, I think, when asking and talking to people genuinely one-to-one -one about this thing, taking away all the internet nonsense, that people genuinely, usually, want to have very good instructions about proxying when it's okay, when it's not. So, one other thing that I really want to ask is, do you think that Wizards, because Wizards put out a statement, I think it was in 2016, pretty much defending proxying, stating that they are happy for stores to have yeah. proxies in, just not in sanctioned tournaments. Yep. And to me, that should have been the full stop. That's the end of the conversation. The people that make the shiny cardboard have said you're fine to use not official shiny cardboard. 
And I was just wondering, uh, like, obviously with that, like, what are your thoughts on that? Surely that should have been the end of it. I would think so too. But um, the so there's a specific page. I'm looking at it right now on, on the on the internet on the Wizards of the Coast website. It's the fan content palette, uh, policy. Last updated November fifteenth, twenty seventeen. Oh, seventeen is a year off. Damn it. I, I mean, they, that was last updated. Oh, okay, when okay. First, first went up. Um, but. There's, I mean, this is a legal description of stuff, but it's using plain English. It's, mm. it's, it's meant to like, okay, go have fun in the fan community making things. You can, you can write novels based on our characters. <laughs> cool, just don't sell it, right? Mm. And and that fits into the proxying world. So I can I can take the wizard's um, intellectual property, reprint it in a new thing, just as long as I don't make uh, money directly off of it. So I can do a Patreon where I'm giving away um, a token, like I'll have a spirit token that is not IP, Wizards IP specific, and that I can make money on that. And that funds me then making the other fun stuff that I share for free. Anybody can go look at my videos on, on Twitter and um, Instagram and see my stuff. Which that makes um, a lot of sense, because there was something that I did not quite understand about that, because I was reading and looking through a lot of proxy people's Twitter handles and Instagram pages and Patreons, and everyone has the same line, usually in bold or capitalized text, I do not sell proxies. And yeah, you've answered the, that very well. The, the good eggs will put the, the foot down pretty hard on that. And then the content, the, the Wizards fan content policy, has a specific paragraph or sentence that needs to be on your stuff. So, you know, it's on my Twitter, it's on my Patreon, it says, you know, this is official fan content, it's following this policy. And and I never sell proxies. It just it's not going to happen. Um, I've donated some to some raffles to to raise money for good causes. Um, uh, I will I will trade real wizards cards for proxies. Yeah. Um, but that but that's not that's not the cash flow part. Um, the fact that wizards put out this statement and it, it quelled down some of the stuff. But it it has not stopped the conversation, and and I I don't have a good answer to that. I think it just it probably fits into the gatekeeping conversation hmm. more than anything. It's it it you know who cares what Wizard says? This is what the tournament says, or this is what you know what I say. Yeah, this is the it's the official like tournament policy. This is what the LGS says. This is what our play group who are playing at this particular table says. Yep, totally. Um, and the other thing I'll throw out there is that sometimes proxies can get um, a little touchy to have conversations around people that are somewhat associated with wizards. And, you know, they're not, I mean, wizards employees, I, I bet, just can't flat out talk about them. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me. Mm. But then other people, uh, you know, who are doing um, gameplay uh, videos, they may be hesitant to have proxies on their, on their feed. Um, I would say go look at the fan content policy. Like, as long as you just say, hey, this is not a counterfeit, this is a fun piece of bling, go for it. Yes, well, I remember one time there was a game that was recorded and put up on a rather large uh, commander channel, and the one of the players had a commander, who was not a particularly powerful commander, but he had him painted and altered, so not a proxy, but in the same vein, he had it altered to a point where some of the art eclipsed the name. And that, under the rules, is now not a legal card to play. And he got dragged through the mud for it. 
At which point you have to pause and say, look, we were playing a game at a literal kitchen table and it was recorded. Chill. Which, yeah. <laughs> at that point you're sort of like, come on, t calm yeah. down now. Now, if you're entering into some sort of tournament, total different story. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I get that, you know, mark cards and the whole cheating side of things, like you got to be careful with some of the things that, that, that happen there. And I... I you know, the, the, whoever's organizing the tournament just has their rules and says this is what's happening. Yeah. Cool. Go with that. So one thing I want, just a bit more, bit more fun side of it. With regards to play tests and proxying of cards, when you are play testing a card, so a card's just been spoiled, and you're like, this is going to be fire in my deck. Would you personally print it off, put it in paper, or would you be one of those people that gets a sticky note and puts it on the card? Very rare that I'm a person who who, who puts this. <laughs> I thought so. Uh, I I can't say it's never happened because sometimes you know speed. It takes me a while to design and print print cards. Mm. But um, but that's because I get joy from the the printing and, and uh, designing aspect. So that that's what's driving me. Um, but if somebody else comes into a game and that you know they take a basic forest and they wrote smothering tithe on it, okay. The, the worst one that we've seen that I'm fairly confident Martin still has nightmares about is a friend of ours who'd proxied up a, um old Jund modern deck back when Tarmogoyf was worth money. And he'd had a Liliana of the Veil that he'd literally just got a post-it note, put it on the inside that just said the word basic forest. And we're like, you're proxying a basic forest with a Liliana of the Veil. Why have you done this? It. I love it. I got no problem with that. I'd play that in a heartbeat. Oh, it was... It was an afternoon. <laughs> I mean, that moment is surrealist art. Like, just lean in. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, why not? Draw a mustache on her as well. Go for it. It'll be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, on that note of art, what will I say? Why then? Because I know you got some art of the sort of motion behind you as well. Why particularly that sort of album art, book, or front cover art, why is that the thing that drew you and this, this needs to be my brand? That's a good question. It, it's um, the era of mid-century modern um, graphic design has just um, connected with me personally. I've, I've really enjoyed artists like Joseph Albers who I know the podcasters can't see it, but one of the, I have a record album called uh, The Faces That Touched Me Behind Me. It came out in, I think, the 50s. Mm. The music isn't very good, but they <laughs> hired really good designers to make all of these album arts. <laughs> um, and so it, the other thing I'll put out there is that, so I'm a designer. I'm not an illustrator. Okay. I can't create many things from scratch. I can put shapes on screen in, in interesting ways. And I think I have decent taste in the ways that, that I do that, using a lot of those uh, mid-century modern hmm. graphic design ideals. And so it became very easy for me to just mess in that space and have fun with it. Um, I've tried a couple of times to do some things, like I tried to make a Howling Mine um, based on a, 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 the monorail advertisements from the 70s. Oh, yeah. And I... I just could not execute it to my standard. It's like, I'm just not an illustrator. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, I, you have something that's, that you like, that you like involving yourself in, and are clearly very good at it. 
Like, well, thank you. <laughs> hey, people don't get renowned for not being good at something. Although, well, I'll throw out that the, the, the best people out there know what they're not good at, and then they, they work with other people to fill in those gaps. I was a Markiplier. The, be the best way to get better at something is to be the least skilled in the room. Oh, yes. I've done that in the music field, so I'm a, a, a drummer, too. Oh, and yes. if I get a band and I'm the worst player, I get better quicker. <laughs> yeah, which is terrible for me because I'm a teacher. That's kind of my job to be the best person in the room. <laughs> well, maybe you got to think about a different pool. Yes. I mean, you compare yourself to the other teachers. Yes, exactly right. But just shushing slightly back to what we're actually talking about. Sure. <laughs> so, with regards to all that, the art and the art stuff like that, is there any art piece that you would think would be, oh, this would be the perfect thing to proxy that, like that one thing that you thought, oh, I really want to turn this soul ring into this. What was that one piece that's always been in the back of your mind that you've never just gone to do? Great question. Um, it's probably the the Howling Mind where I just, I, I, I failed as an illustrator in order to make it. I think in general, when I uh, tackle stuff, mm. it's, um, you know, I'm building a new deck and I need a couple of new proxies. So great. Those are the cards that I'm going to proxy. Now I'll go jump on Pinterest and I'll find something that inspires me and just mess around. Um, and so there's really no holding me back in those moments. I can make it whatever I want to be. There's nothing complicated. There's uh, it, Sometimes it takes me a little while digging for the inspiration, mm. um, but I'll find it. So there's not a lot that's been holding me back on on, on the art side of the of the proxy side. So Pinterest, um, Pinterest is a secret to all great art. It's good to know. Oh, designers are all over Pinterest. There's a couple <laughs> other uh, things that do the same thing, but it's um, yeah, just putting in some keywords, getting some stuff at you. I mean, if somebody finds my Pinterest board, they will find <laughs> eighty five percent of my proxies have an analog to something else, where that's. Some of it is straight up, um, like my lean line of anticipation mm. is I straight up took a famous piece and I wanted to unpack it and know how it ticked. And, and I just reused it. But because I'm making no money off of it, yeah, you can it's, do, yeah. It's, it's an educational experience for me. Yeah. Um, but then there's other things like um, probably my power dynamics, the time walk. Um, yeah, the time walk was just I had an idea and I just executed it straight onto the, onto the card. I didn't need an inspiration on that. But I think I needed to go through the process of doing um, the lead line of anticipation first before I kind of had the skill to do the time walk. So in regards to that, so when you make your proxies, do you make them onto the specific card? Like if you had a proxy of a soul ring, you would proxy it over that soul ring, or do you get an entirely new card? Um, uh, Without so getting Alterist puts stuff on top of uh, of a real card. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm a proxy artist, so I'm. I'm creating 100% of it from scratch. Um, oh. Now, some proxy artists will, they'll blank a foil, you know, they'll take off the ink and they'll print on top of it. Mm. I'm not one of those. Okay. Because obviously I don't want to get into the mechanics of making a card, because mostly I won't understand any of it. But that, <laughs> that's actually a lot well, more... And that, Go on. If other people are talking to proxy artists, it, it, one of, I want to share everything. I'll talk about design, no problem. But the one thing that I'll hold back on is my printing process, because I don't want to enable counterfeiters. Yes. Which, like, I've seen a lot of things, and they're just getting apparently better and better and better at doing them, which 
I remember back in the day when people would say, oh, this, we have a friend of ours who was amazing at doing it. He's like, this sacred foundry is fake. And like, how do you know that from across the room? It just gets a light out and you can see different patterns on it, which yeah. apparently that's a thing that doesn't happen now. But yeah, <laughs> I do, well, do you the, get... Oh. The wizard's printing process has definitely got lax in the last few years. Um, and I mean, we've all seen the, the Pringle coiling that's been curling that's been happening. So I'll also go back to the, to the counterfeiting that's been happening for a long time. Yeah, I remember back in Revised, I was trading with a friend, and they had a um, a black card Shivan Dragon. I was like, I never even heard of this, and I traded for it, and it was a sticker on top of a basic. Oh. that was painful, actually painful. Like, do do you as a proxy artist and obviously a magic player, do you get really concerned about that? Like more and more counterfeits that are turning up? Yes. And I think as a as a proxy community, we kinda um uh we're very good about supporting people that are that are hoeing the line the right way hmm. and, and trying to stay away from the others. That I mean, some of it is that um I mean, wizards can decide to change their fan content policy anytime they want. If they're a business, they can decide to do that whenever they want. And I don't want counterfeiters and other people kind of towing the bad line to throw out the bathwater and then I can't do anything. So some of it's quite selfish. Is I want to keep doing this. Yes. Um, Understandable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like counterfeits do hurt literally everyone because it hurts the people that make the great art like yourself and other yeah. proxy artists and it then might just inevitably cause wizards to say no fan content and even at some point just change their entire printing process which as i imagine you know a lot more about than i do that might then cost more money which that then i put the price down to the consumer not a good thing overall really yeah it's a complicated place um also throw out some nuance of um most of us proxy artists want to put out our high-res art just like free here you go and many do mm. and and um but as long as we're sharing things um like i'm sharing instagram videos uh, people anybody can see those um then then I'm, I'm following the fan content policy and i'm specifically not putting out my high-res art because i don't want the counterfeiters reprinting my stuff far too often some of my other colleagues are getting their stuff reprinted and they find it on ebay and somebody's making money off of it and that just hurts yeah, I, I obviously, I would say that's even worse because on one hand, counterfeiting for Wizards product, they're Wizards, they're a multinational, multi-million dollar corporation. Someone who's put time, love, and care into something to then find it, oh, this is on eBay for 20 quid. It's like, that, I can't quite get the word, is robbing the care of something, which I wish there was a word for. Yeah, I'm right with you there. Um, I will also throw out that the graphic designers who are at Wizards of the Coast right now. I mean, Wizards as a company can, you know, they can they can handle stuff. But but the bright, I mean, the past year, the amount of really cool designs that we've been getting, uh, big props to the, to the designers at Wizards. And counterfeiters have to hurt them too, like as an individual. They, they probably don't like that. No, very much not. So on the same vein as that, because it's a question that I'm asking to all the... Um... I asked all the players what card they would want unbanned in Commander. Well, I'd like to ask you, which is your favorite artist currently working on Magic? Ooh. Uh, 
Well, it's probably we can call her uh, currently because she did a secret lair. It's R- Rebecca Gay. Rebecca. Oh. Um, Rebecca. I I I love a really good illustrator, especially her watercolor style. It's something I could never achieve, um, and and I I cherish some of her earlier cards that I have. Mm. Um, Fantastic. One of my first cards that I was really into and I didn't quite understand art yet, Merc Dwellers. Merc Dwellers. Um, it's, it's, it's an old, I think it's Ice Age, it's a black card, and it, um, it's, uh, it's really abstract um, watercolor, and I just love it. <laughs> I always do find people like that, especially, I don't know if you would find this more or less being a design yourself, because I know I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't do any of that. It's not in my skill set. So when I see someone who can do art like Rebecca Gay can do, I was like, that is, to me, just magic. Because you've done something, and I have no idea how you've got from a blank sheet to that. That is literal magic. Exactly. Exactly. I will throw out that I'm similar to you, where I, I can't use a pencil or a paintbrush. I need a tool, like a computer or a camera, hmm. to make art. And so, um, you know, Use the tools that you're good at and make your thing. So for so for you, it's podcasting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> like to think so. Oh, uh, and one last thing, because that's what my favorite artist was. What would, is that? Would also be your favorite piece of art? Is it Merc Lurkers? Would that be your favorite piece of artwork? Uh, for today, I will answer. That. I mean, it changes every day. <laughs> yeah, Merc, Merc Dwellers. Let me look it up and make sure that I'm getting you the right thing, so your folks can look it up. Merc Dwellers um, should be two different word. Yeah, there it is. Drew Tucker made it. Um, it, it is nowadays. There's so much photorealistic artistry that's being created, and it's fantastic. It is the exact opposite of this. This is just um, squishy, abstracted. <laughs> I dig it. Uh, and on and on the note of hearing art depicted as squishy, we'll end it there for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much for Seer Proxy himself for coming on and chatting with me today. Um, we will leave links in the description for patrons, Twitter, Instagrams, all that lovely stuff will be in the video description. And as always, guys, I would like to thank our guests for coming on. I've been Alex. And I'll talk to you next time.